and let there be sound. Hello, everybody. My name is Kirby Kwan Jr., and you are currently listening to the Ghetto Fabulous Podcast. Um, joining me today is a friend that I've known for uh, around about five years now, um, and he's basically just a regular person. <laughs> uh, I, it, it's good for me sometimes to not always bring in these fancy guests with their own YouTube channels and shit and whatnot, um, but he's certainly been in, in my vlogs and stuff. Uh, and you could follow his wacky wild adventures on both Instagram and Twitter at Nick underscore P-U-L-S-O-N-E. Once again, Nick underscore P-U-L-S-O-N-E. So obviously his name is Bob. Now I'm joking. Welcome, Nick, onto the show. How you doing today, Nick? Hey, I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, just uh, trying to enjoy what's left of uh, this weather before it starts snowing like what's going on in Alberta. Because mm, when the snow hits, that's why you know it's real snow Canada. Um, but um, today, obviously with the title and probably cover art and whatnot, we're going to be talking about the Joker movie. Um, so before we talk about the movie itself, what was sort of like your initial impressions of just trailers and promotional uh, sort of material for this film, Nick? Uh, so of, cur- of course, I you know I, I take the TTC all the time and I see... Uh, I see a bunch of like promotional uh, promotional material all the way on public transit, as well as you know I like DC movies, right? Right. Um, you know I I obviously love the Batman franchise. Uh, I was a big fan of the early trilogy with uh, Christian Bale. Uh, not so much with the Batman movies with Ben Affleck, but you know that's uh, that's a completely different conversation. Um, okay. And of course I I had high hopes, right? Because with this Joker movie, it was trying to I guess in my opinion take this DC uh, backstory and I guess. sort of turn the tables in a sense right you know we had the batman versus superman and you know some those movies as well like in uh the justice league they didn't really do up to what some of the dc fans you know standards right and so i saw this trailer and i thought okay well it's looking good you know i saw some of the casting like joaquin phoenix and i was really happy at first you know i I didn't see the trailer at the time yeah and then when i first saw the trailer i was like oh wow Uh, the uh, first uh perspective was it's very dark um, you know, they're sort of going back to the whole quote unquote edgy, but you know, my thoughts was, okay, let me see how it is. Let me see how the movie is. Um, the trailer at first, you know, going through it minute by minute, or I guess second by second was, you know, it, it's taking a different, uh, perspective from the, uh, I guess, you know, dark Knight aspect where it's, you know, pure, like hyper realism, but at the same time, like, you know, this is, uh, batman as how we know it whereas with this joker movie from what it looked like it's okay we get to see the true descent into madness if if you know if you don't understand what i'm trying to say uh a more realistic look at the man behind all this crime and that's sort of what i got as an idea from from this trailer and uh i had really high hopes um you know it, it looked like a great movie just looking at the trailer but at the same time i didn't want to be very disappointed mm-hmm. uh a, a big problem with a lot of the movies that we have today is that they would have incredibly hyped trailers, right? Yeah. Um, really hyped trailers, and then the actual product would—I don't want to say fail to deliver, but it wouldn't be nowhere near up to the standards that you would expect with okay. how much uh, you know money is put in the trailer. I, I guess, like, like um, w- what I was asking you was, um, how excited were you to see this movie? Uh, in terms of like pure excitement, uh, I was actually pretty decently, uh, de- decently excited. Uh, Okay. Yeah, obviously, I I love the the franchise, so I mean, you know, I was I was pretty up there. Yeah. So so for me, I'll I'll be honest. Um, when the, when the Joker film was first announced, I was I was in a mindset of like, bro, I'm so done with DC movies. I love their animated properties. I love their comic books, 
but I'm so done with their live action property. So I just did not give two shits about this movie. Um, I didn't watch any of the trailers until the last one. And I've only seen mm. it once on purpose. And I'll be honest, mm. I still wasn't really that excited. And I don't know if, if it was because I just completely nerfed myself to the point where I was completely numb to DC properties or at least DC live action properties. So going into this movie, the only thing I thought was I prayed to God this is not going to be a, a jump scare fest. And I wished and I just prayed that I was able to go to, go to sleep that night. That was it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, we're going to talk about it a bit after, but uh, some people were definitely disturbed at, at parts of the movie. But Oof. yeah. Um, and before I forget, um, since we're at the five minute mark, roughly before I forget, this podcast will most definitely have spoilers for this film. So if you haven't seen the film or if you don't give a shit, well, if you don't give a shit, you probably won't be listening to this. But if you haven't seen the film yet, I highly recommend you. Still listen to this, but just listen to this after you see the film. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so um, now we're going to take the time to sort of give our opinions on this film first. Uh, I'll start, um, just to set the stage, so to speak. Um, for me, the quickest way for me to summarize how I feel about this movie was I liked it. I think it's a good movie, but I could very, very easily see why people won't enjoy it. Because a lot of this film's decoding is entirely subjective to a lot of factors, including preference and knowledge of the character, both in cinematic history as well as in the character's history throughout its all of its renditions. So for me, I, I feel like the strongest thing about it was storytelling. Uh, in film school, one of the most one of the first things you learn is shy away from telling the story and focus more on showing it. I definitely feel like the whole show don't tell uh, was really strong in this film. Whereas in previous entries in uh, DC properties, such as the whole Nolan universe, for the most part, there's a lot of exposition and there wasn't as much in this film. It's really, it makes you really work at its pace. And even though the movie itself starts very slow and then it slowly, no pun intended, picks up its pace. It's never ever, in my opinion at least, never a fast movie. And it allows you to sort of fully take in the character and his emotions and his sort of journey and story. Um, another thing that I really enjoy about this film is sort of uh, the fact that it has a small and big scale. The way that I would describe this is the scale of the film itself is actually very small. It focuses on one character. He is always on screen. And it's a very flowing, it's a very uh, well-flowing story narrative based off of this character. The dope thing, though, is somewhat similar to um, Children of Men. It shows the scale of everything evolving around him, but the story itself is very, very focused, laser focused on mm -hmm. the character of, well, the Joker. Uh, things I don't really like about this movie, and uh, there there are a few things. For one, I really hated, and, and Nick and I both in, like immediately said this as soon as we walked away from the theater, we genuinely hate the original score for this movie uh yeah <laughs> the the way that i would describe it is a a really drawn out 
French horn that just drags. And then it switches a note and drags on that note and then drags on another note and that's it. it. It doesn't feel compelling. It doesn't necessarily distract you, but I could easily see somebody getting distracted by this French horn and removing them from the film. Uh, Nick, you had like migraines at the end of the film, right? Yeah, it was really bad. Um, part, of, part of that was, you know, maybe due to uh, the fact that there were some on and off uh, from what it seems like blue light or whatever it was in, in that movie. But um, I think you noticed it too. But the uh, second part was, yeah, that uh, that scores. Oh, man, it's, it, it was really it really gave me a giant headache coming out from it. And I, I talked to, you know, I talked to you after and I said, wow, like it's I it's it's incredible. Like I don't normally come out of movies with headaches, but. I, I definitely did for this one. And mind you, we didn't even see it in like 3D or anything. So it, it has nothing to do with those light properties. It's just the the, the French horn was just very annoying, so to speak. Um, and another thing, uh, something else I would like to talk about is not the biggest fan of the way that this movie is photographed or, or I guess cinemagraphed. Uh, the... The photography in this shifts. It's very subtle, but I noticed it because, well, I, I do this shit too. Um, the thing that I really didn't like about it was for certain things, it's overly dark for no reason. Uh, but what I do like about this film, though, in terms of the way it's photographed is the way it's comp uh, composed. The composition is really strong. There's a lot of scenes where um, there is some light and there is shadow, but... The character, the way that the character is lit in in relation to the, his environment, it makes a lot of sense through its narrative. Now, something that I didn't like was they gave him a definitive name of Arthur Fleck. Um, it's not so much yeah. because, like, I, I understand why they did that. It's so that it's easier for viewers to sort of connect with somebody if they have a name. I just don't like that name. It just <laughs> it just sounds weird to me. Because when you look at the Joker, right, you would never think to call him Arthur. Because when I think of Arthur, I think of that fool, that that meme. What, what is he, an anteater or some shit? Yeah, from uh, from the TV show where from he just PBS like you know holds his arm. Shit. Yeah, yeah, and the angry thing, arm. Yeah. Real quick tangent: How the fuck does his glasses stay on his face? Because they're clearly not on his ears. Dude, on, honestly, <laughs> like I, I, we need to pull up like a picture of Arthur because that's actually like a 500 IQ question. Like, do they like, super glue that there? Like, is it just friction? You know what I mean. Yeah, dude. Honestly, but yeah. Um, also, this is not, not this is neither good or bad. But um, mm -hmm. you know, well, in my opinion, you should know exactly how this film is going to start, and exactly how this film is going to end. Yeah, and for most audiences, I would assume you would know generally what the story is. Uh, it very loosely follows uh, the flashback, I guess, sequences in Alan Moore's Killing Joke uh, in relation to the Joker's origin. And it's um, it's, a, it's a very, like I said, very linear story. Uh, well, obviously, adapted to the big screen with a few details, like, altered. Very linear story. And, um, like I said, I feel most viewers know what's happening, but for some reason... And I can't, I still haven't figured exactly why. It still kept me on the edge of my seat. And it left me, and, and, and throughout the whole entire film, as I was watching it, it wanted, it made me want to see more of this character. Yeah. So for me, uh, there's a lot of good things go on, going on. 
uh, some bad things, but generally I really enjoyed the film, but I could very easily see why people won't enjoy it, enjoy it because maybe when they think of Joker, they immediately think of Heath Ledger and nothing can ever touch him. And that would be a detriment to the viewer's own uh, enjoyability of this film. But for me, I enjoyed it. Uh, certain things I didn't really like. Uh, the story was very, the storytelling is at its strongest strongest gave me a lisp there for some reason the storytelling is at its strongest in the film in this picture um and uh nice welcome to movie reviews with mike tyson if you don't like it i'm gonna bite your ears off <laughs> you need the tattoo and uh, get that whole persona going yeah uh but but no um i really enjoyed this film i i i enjoyed uh the storytelling the most the writing was kept very simple in my opinion very little exposition but when it was there it hits you so hard and hits arthur so hard that you can easily ignore it without even thinking about it i only recently realized how much exposition was pushed in in act three but it makes sense for it to be there because it's information that was withheld from not just us the audience but also uh joker as well Oh, yeah. So for me, if I were to sort of rate this film, I would rate it a reluctant four stars, but general three. I feel like most people could watch this film. It's very watchable um, and really makes you think about certain things. It's very, very small scale in regards to the way that it it's laid out, although the impact of the characters and the verisimilitude, which is, is, is a big word for it, the world of the film uh, are really big. So that's how I feel about this movie, and on a very yeah. surface level. How how does it hold up for you, Nick? I think uh, for the most part, like we also talked about it slightly after the, uh, you know, after we watched it. But as as we all know, uh, initial thoughts are, uh, you know, sometimes we're prisoner of the moment. Yeah. Uh, there there are a few things. So um, I'm gonna give my little rating, and then I'll I'll say why. Sure. Uh, so my rating was uh initially it was a th- like three and a half stars. So I guess uh seven out of ten. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And. Mm. I'm going to, I guess, stick with that. Um, and here's why. So I noticed on social media, because immediately after I watched the movie, I wanted to know, okay, well, what are you know people's thoughts, right? Uh, real quick, actually, for yes. me at least, I actually still have not seen a single movie review for this. Not a single review, not a single reading. I did not uh, research this movie after I watched it. So I still have all of my raw preserved well, thoughts on this film, for me at least. Mm-hmm. So uh, I-, I didn't look at uh, any of the, uh, you know, professional like uh you know review scores and stuff like that um i just went on to uh, social media just to get a sort of consensus of what the mass public sees is uh going on with this movie okay and for the most part you know it was incredibly well received um you know some of the parts that i liked many people also liked so for example uh one thing that i really resonated with i didn't really talk about it though was the uh whole i guess mental illness uh aspect of it that was uh, a very big part of the movie um, yeah, it caused like two different plot twists. Oh yeah, and uh, more specifically, the uh, I guess lack of attention that people with uh, mental illness uh, are not getting in both the movie, but you could also relate it back to uh, real life. So, for example, that once, well, I guess we already said that there's going to be spoilers, yeah. but uh, <clears throat> there's going to be this one scene. Uh, you know, I hope everyone's watched it. That's listening to this, but uh, where you know the Joker, uh, Arthur, he's talking to uh, this one social worker. And she basically says that, yeah, they've pulled funding, right? And this is actually something that's very frequent in uh, both our city and, you know, in many cities across North America. 
And I know a lot of people can really resonate with that. The second thing I also really liked was, uh, well, this is going to be, I guess, kind of interesting to say, but um, how much attention to detail there was in every scene. And, and it was for a purpose, right? Uh, one scene that I guess calls that to action is that towards the end when uh, Arthur's, um, I, I forgot the character's name. Arthur but he's Fleck. beating, uh, well, well, yeah, no, but uh, there's this, the, I guess, chubby tall character that he oh, got the gun the, from at the okay. Uh, at the start of the movie uh he's beating his head in in his apartment yeah. right to the point where not only blood's coming out but you're starting to see like you know giant uh i i guess like notable like things that are going on with his head like okay there's blood coming out you know there's some muscle tissue here and there and then you see the uh the other the other character there in the room like completely shocked right yeah and i quickly i quickly looked around the movie theater and i was like okay well what are other people's reactions to this right and i think that's when we both noticed like you know william just almost uh covering his eyes yeah the writer's just uh, in the back was there and he was like straight up covering it he, he, he will william he's trying to make an excuse like oh no uh, i was trying to like un- unruffle my sleeves and i'm like come on man come oh on. yeah on uh, that, shit, that, <laughs> that definitely did not happen uh he yeah uh, and not only him but a lot of other people as well uh, they're you know people to the right and behind me that were uh you know i, I guess shocked at this scene and many other scenes across it was a very graphic movie in that sense uh in which i actually enjoyed i thought it was there for a purpose it wasn't overly graphic as i initially thought it would be right. um and, and it was done because you want to portray this character in a certain light right uh like i said you want to have this sort of slow descent into madness right so so let's look at from the start right uh the joker's first i guess uh you know part of this path was the, you know let's say the killing right the you know shooting those Three boys on the uh, subway, right? Which, by the Great. way, yes. Uh, as someone who always takes the the fucking like subway, I, bro, the next day I had to go to work and I was taking the subway, and then it just so happened that there was like this person that I, I guess wasn't quite there, Oof. and it just so happened that he was making noises very similar to Joaquin Phoenix's laugh in the film. I felt a great degree of discomfort. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, just a side note on that, um, a lot of, you know, subways and, uh, trains, especially in North America are not as safe as you would think they are. And it's kind of sad, uh, that this happens pretty frequently, not, not necessarily the killings, but uh, people being robbed, jumped, uh, stuff like this. So, you know, this is just something for, uh, people who are in public transit. Gotta step up your security there, guys. Do not think you are safe. Oh Yeah. <laughs> But uh, go they back are coming to the movie. for you. Oh yeah, no, honestly. <laughs> uh, going back to the movie, yeah, like a lot of a lot of people uh, were generally, uh, I guess, surprised at the graphic nature of this movie. But it wasn't to the point where, you know, it was turning people off. Um, I one mean, thing I felt with William sorry, though. <laughs> oh yeah, but <laughs> he's a uh, he's a special case. He, uh, you know how he is, right? See you, gotcha. Oh. <laughs> uh, does everyone know the joke about that? No, no, oh, man, that's, that's gonna, another. I need, oof, I need to be there for that one. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, like it, it, like you said, it it always kept you intrigued in the story, right? Yeah. Uh, everything was there for a reason. So you know, the calm killings at the start. Okay, you know, uh, it, it was I guess sort of pushing back against society, right? The fact that you know the rich are rich and the poor are poor, and the societal divide is just going to stay like that right there's going to be no middle class like we always hear that uh 
you know, in the United States, many people are saying the middle class doesn't even exist anymore, right? Yeah. Because there's such a divide between uh, people living under the low income line and poverty versus upper class, right? Right. And, and I noticed that was a big uh, plot point that was part of this movie. Uh, and then if we keep going towards the other killings, right? <clears throat> when he uh, when he killed his mom, right? Suffocated on the bed. It was definitely a lot more graphic, right? Was it really though? Uh, I mean, for peop for people, it can be just because of the fact that this is something more believable, right? In the sense of you don't need a gun or a knife or something like that. You just need a pillow, and then you're seeing someone suffocate in front of you, right? And I know that this type of, um, I guess, murder is something that a lot of people are not comfortable seeing. I, f I quickly want to talk about that scene, actually, now that yes. you brought about it. The, the, between his initial... Um, uh, kills and when he killed his mother right initially mm -hmm. when he killed those guys um so the, the scene is there's these three dudes that were just kind of fucking around with him right because they're trying to chop on a ting didn't work uh and then the joker was them. Just, yeah and then the joker was just laughing um in in this they describe it because he has a condition where when he gets nervous or excited he just can't help but laugh or at least make a noise that really sounds like he's laughing so then uh, these three dudes are kind of like, bro, what, what's so fucking funny, right? And they were going to jump him. Uh, Joker try, tries to explain to them, like, hey, I have this condition. He busts out a card that would have said, hey, I have this condition. They did not give two shits about it. And they started wailing on him, right? They throw him to the ground. He had a gun with him. And then out of defense, at least I, I think. Here's a, here's a reason why I like this scene. We don't know exactly why he pulled up the gun. Well, obviously, to not die. That's the most fundamental yeah. thing. But we don't know if he had the intention to kill or just to scare them away or that he panicked. We don't know. And the dope thing about this is this is all kept fairly wide. Or if it was up close, it was kept really dark. So you mm -hmm. never see the intention on his face. And on top of that, he had his clown makeup on. So you, you don't know if he wanted to do so. It's left very um, open-ended. When he kills his mom, though, on the other hand, they never show his mom dying. Well, yeah, they never show his mom dying. And it's always a shot of his, just his face. And you could see it and read it as, yeah, motherfucker, I want to do this. Rather than before, it was kind of murky. Oh, yeah. And I, of, of course, I think this is done completely purposefully, right? Oh, hell yeah. Um, it has to be. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, at the first few shots, uh, the reason why I, I completely agree with this point is because it's sort of left up to the viewer in terms of interpretation, right? You can see it as, oh, okay, this guy is completely killing these, you know, few people who are potentially doing good in society, right? Like, you don't know, like, uh, okay, they're businessmen, sure, obviously they're drunk and, you know, they shouldn't be picking on someone. But you could also view it as self-defense, right? Yeah. And that's how, personally, I viewed it. And, of course, it's it's excessive, right? I believe the law is, like, you can only strike back with equal force or uh, you can't go greater, right? Unless you're but, Texas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We all know how... Uh, Get off are. my lawn, boy. Reloads shotgun, but... Uh, right. It's... Yeah, it's... Uh, that was a very interesting scene that uh, I, I also completely liked. And uh, just going forward, like, all the murders, even up to, uh, like I said, going back to that scene with his mom, um, you start to see, like, yes, this is something he wants to do, but... He doesn't have that sort of remorse or fear that, oh my god, like, what's going to happen in the future? Because at the start of the movie, you can really resonate with Arthur, right? Yeah. Not as the Joker, but as Arthur. Like, this is a human being. This is a kid. Well, not really a kid, but it's just a normal guy who's living with his mom. He's yeah. trying to make ends meet at whatever job means necessary. Sure, he has a mental illness that he has to fight through, right? Yeah. And 
he has a lot of problems dealing with everyday life, right? Going on the train and, you know, he's just trying to have fun with the, that little child, right? And the mom completely uh, tells, tells Arthur, hey, stop it, right? To the yeah. point where Arthur feels like he's doing something completely wrong, right? Yo, that scene is actually very, like, realistic because when a kid oh, yeah. stares at me on a bus, I legitimately don't know what to do because there are certain people where they interact back with the kid and they make it look, like, cute and adorable. For me, I don't, I don't, I don't have that that middle ground. I don't think, so I'm like, I'm not fucking talking to you. <laughs> don't, don't. Oh yeah. I'm like, kid, stop staring at me. <laughs> Look away. I never say anything to the kid, but that's always what's ha- what's going on in my brain because like, I do not want nobody to mistake me for being a certain like t- uh, what's it called, a fucking like sexual predator or nothing. So not today. <laughs> not yeah, or ever. creeper. Yeah, no, totally. And, and that's one thing I, I really, uh, I also on top really of like that. It's- I just hate kids. (laughs) Oh, man. I work retail, so enough said. Mama Kirby's going to come in there and hit you with the the old spoon. Mama Kwan going to make you Mama Gun. (laughs) Too dark, too dark. (laughs) Too soon, yeah. um, And and this is uh, going back to what I said before with these are scenes that happen in day-to-day lives. Like, you don't have to be a supervillain to be put in that situation where you're in front of a kid. You're just trying to make that poor kid laugh. Right, yeah. someone tells you off, right? And I really, I really start to under to understand. I guess at the start of the movie, okay, this is just like a typical guy. Well, I wouldn't say and, typical, but well, he, you know, he has a a lot of problems going on with his life, but he's not so different from people living in in poverty in parts of North America, right? Mm. Let's say, let's say Detroit or you know Chicago, places like this, right? Definitely, uh, you know, really hit with in terms of crime and have their, I guess, quote unquote, ghetto areas, yeah. right? But uh, you, you were able to see into the life of Arthur Flack and who he was, right? Yeah. And then slowly you got to see, okay, well, this is his descent to Madison. And especially one thing that I thought was really interesting, I'm not sure if you picked up picked it up as well, was um, the whole, like, uh, you know, headshot, I guess, uh, animation that he did with his hand, right? Especially in front of that girl that um, I guess they were seeing or, you know, whatever that, I guess, dynamic was. Yeah. And that was one of the few points in the movie where i thought okay like arthur is no more this is someone completely different this person has lost his humanity are you talking about towards the end or when they're in the, in the elevator initially uh towards the end the uh the last scene where he does that oh like when uh, he randomly appears in her in her apartment yes and i think the implication is that he kills her yeah uh they don't show it and i really like the fact that they don't show it because it's more of Arthur, I guess, setting his setting aside his humanity, yeah. right, and his past life, and saying, "Okay, well, this is my life now. I'm gonna accept it, and fuck all y'all. Turn my life into pieces. This is my last resort." No, but um, <laughs> woman, like, fucking lock your doors. Yeah. By the way, who keeps their doors completely open at the middle of night? In the most sketchiest of areas, especially in Gotham. Yeah, you yourself said that this this building is really sketchy. Lock your damn doors, cuz. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, man. hide your wife, hide your kids, no, hide no, everybody. Legit, that's exactly what I was thinking about, bro. He's climbing up your windows, he's snatching your people up, trying to kill them. So you better hide your kids, hide your wives, hide your mom, too, cuz, like, you never know. Yeah, exactly. It's apparently, hide your files, too, cuz my boy Arthur was hunting them files. 
that was probably i in my opinion probably the most powerful scene of the movie yeah um uh, when arthur was in front of the uh, administration clerk which by and... the way that clerk i felt like he was in like a different timeline like he seemed to be like a, a time traveler with with his very modern speech pattern compared to everybody else in the film oh yeah totally and, and not even not even uh his whole speech pattern and, and what he was wearing but uh i feel like that scene was one of the few scenes uh, i think we talked about where it looked a bit blue uh from a certain angle uh very briefly um i, I noticed as well it's probably me just with a permanent blue blue light filter on my life but um that was a very powerful scene because we got to see Arthur talking to regular, regular everyday worker, right? This is a guy who's, you know, sure, you know, in a in a hostel just chugging away at files, right? Yeah. And Arthur asks, "Hey, do you have uh, do you have my mom's files, right?" Yeah. Guy goes, digs through, waits, and then he starts to realize, man, my my mom was very abusive, right? Yeah. So now you have Arthur with mental illness. You have his mom with mental illness, very abusive towards him right yeah and also the fact that he was adopted yeah so imagine realizing all that after everything he's gone through right being picked on being uh abused having i think all these people in his life completely shit all over him right it, it really puts things in a perspective and uh when he was reading through the files and you got to see the sh- uh, the short little uh, flashbacks to his mom's life right yeah I, I thought that was really interesting, too, because uh, part of me wanted to believe that, okay, well, she's telling the truth, right? About um about Arthur being Bruce's son, or not Bruce, Thomas's son? Yes, part of me wanted <clears throat> to believe that, right? Uh, I, yo, and, if and I it, believe, sorry. here's the thing, I did believe that up in, before uh, the, the whole, like, plot just was revealed. Actually, psych, your mom is crazy. And I was ready to be like, okay, I'll just pretend like this is a new take. Don't get too pissed off, Kirby. <laughs> and then I'm oh, glad yeah. that they, they, they sort of uh, pulled two fast ones on me and they flipped it back. And I was like, well, shit. Okay, fine. I did not see that, not see that coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I know. So e- even at the end, like at the very end, technically you could still have it up for interpretation because sure, like, all, like obviously it's written down. And in my opinion, you know, it's. This is just something that led to at the end, Arthur being the Joker. But it has this movie has you judging everything, right? Thinking constantly about okay, well, sure we uh this woman says that okay, Arthur's Thomas Wayne's son, right? Yeah. But we don't really hear about this or get to understand this towards pretty much the end half of the movie, right? Where we start to see those interactions. Then in the bathroom, where Arthur gets told to his face and then he gets punched. That no, your mom's crazy. Leave me alone, right? Yeah. And all these things; these are small interactions, but they happen in people's lives, right? Very brief, very sudden, but oof. very, very, very strong. Like it stays in your mind. Exactly, and this giant accumulation of these mishaps is really what what I got to understand is like, okay, well this is the true descent into madness right and uh, for that I, I really loved that part of the movie that, that was the one aspect the giant underlining part of the movie that i absolutely loved and i thought they nailed especially with joaquin's acting uh i thought i thought he played the joker beautifully by the way uh-huh. um uh, uh, you know obviously in my opinion I'm, I'm one of those flat earthers that believe you know no one can 
touch Heath Ledger. But um, oh, I thought you were about to say like I'm on one of these flat earthers where I believe that the Earth is flat. I was like, okay, a podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you look at the uh, circumference of the Earth, it doesn't exist. No, I'm kidding. Shut up. So <laughs> not today. But um, incredibly, not even close uh, compared to Jared Level. Like Jared Level can't compare, in my opinion, to what Joaquin and uh, Heath Ledger. We don't done. talk about Joker's without eyebrows, okay? <laughs> we just we do not talk about jokers without eyebrows easy breezy beautiful cover girl like if he has uh, all those tattoos he might as well tattoo his eyebrows back on honestly s- sign this guy up for the next movie you should be writing the plot um yeah let's just move yeah on I, from I, that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly no i thought in general the acting was also really good uh for large parts of the movie uh i thought the minor actors did pretty well um you know they showed they showed emotion they showed a lot of convection when you know when uh going through the scenes um especially ironically even the uh admin clerk but like you said you're right there was a big difference in terms of if you look at when the shot was coming from uh from i guess the back like from his perspective when the camera was on him versus when it pans to arthur there's a big difference of like the lighting and even the way just the screen looks, like it looks a lot more blue when it when the camera's on him. It looks more looks a lot more modern. Now, now in all fairness, we've only seen this movie once, so my memory of the colors specifically is very well vague, in all honesty. But um, something really interesting about that shot is they're divided by this little, I guess, fence, so to speak, and um, they were both shot on a low angle. Meaning that the camera's placed below their eye below their eye lines for both the clerk and Arthur, and that's a very interesting decision because generally speaking, when somebody is shot from underneath their eye line, that implies superiority. But it's with both characters. the The clear thing that we know is one of them has something in the sight of the other. Arthur Kelly wants the records. The clerk wants the records to be hidden again and doesn't want to give it to him the thing that i like about this sort of very brief physical altercation is before uh, arthur tries to snatch the book out of his hands or folder um again beneath the eye line and then when they engage in i guess the physical altercation where he tries to snatch it they both have the grip on it arthur fleck throughout the whole entire film is seen as this borderline anorexic person very very thin you could see all of his individual ribs very small so in the back of your mind as you're watching this you know that he is physically not imposing this clerk you know he's he's a bigger stronger uh, physique so to speak broader shoulders bigger arms so obviously in a very standard environment you would imagine well obviously the clerk is is not going to let go of the of the folder right and this is a universal law for anyone who is remotely interested in self-defense. This is a universal law. Cra- you cannot fight crazy, okay? Because, now granted, this is really minor. What the Joker does is he smashes his head into the gate and it completely stuns the clerk. And then he, he runs away with the with the folder. The reason why I think this is really interesting is because it, it looks like they're both on even field. In the back of your mind, you know that the clerk is physically larger than the Joker, or Arthur in this case, and the Joker finds a way to, to grab his shit. This is one of the few times where you see him become extremely motivated. And when he is motivated, things happen to, to go his way. And that's something I like. I also completely uh, 
completely picked up on, right? When when and it wasn't only him. Um, there was also a lot of political undertone uh, and commentary that was also present in the movie. I'm not sure if you uh, picked up on that as well. Um, and, and what's funny is that all these little things that I keep talking about, right? And going to the murders, uh, to some to some of the things that are present throughout the entire movie, they have repercussions on the society as well, right? Right. Starting from the very beginning, the movie lets you know, okay, when he shoots those three guys, the city knows it, right? Yeah. Um, and all this, just, it, it keeps going on, right? You know, the constant reminder that, okay, we have this person who's with the face of a, of a clown sort of given this criminal mask, right? The yeah. fact that he's hiding behind something. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who a few days ago was just trying to make ends meet. Yeah. Sure, he has a lot of problems. Yeah, the funny thing the funny thing was in my mind, I don't think he was ever hiding on purpose though. Cause he just can't he was just oh, coming yeah. home from work. Oh yeah. No, and, and that's and that's what uh I, I picked up on that as well. It was Thomas Wayne who was saying, Oh, this person's cowardly and hiding behind this sort of facade. Yeah. Right? But in reality, you look at that scene when Arthur's looking at the TV as Thomas Wayne says that, he's not hiding behind anything. That's that's him. That's him right there. Yeah. That's who he is. Yeah. And when uh when Arthur's introduced onto uh onto the show at the very end. Uh Murray Sullivan or something like that? I believe so, yeah, the the Murray show. Um Yeah. And he's asked what his stage name is or what he should be referred to as. He doesn't say Arthur Fleck, it says the Joker. On top of that too, he goes out of his way to tell Murray to introduce him as the Joker. Oh, of course. And, and yeah. this is the final end of you know Arthur Fleck and who is that person that that human that we can all relate to right that's the final cutoff of that this is pure madness criminal uh you know the final stage of whatever you want to call it right yeah. this is Arthur finally being broken saying this is fucked up I'm pushing back yeah and I'm doing it my way and he did and, and and this is the thing too, right? Like definitively shown on screen, he kills a total of uh, only six people. So yes. it's it's not scary in that regard. And, and this is what I say that the sense of scale in this film is 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 small and big at the same time because you see him own like definitively. You only see him. Well, I guess th- there's the end too. It's implied because he's walking in, in, in with with blood for his footprints. So fine, seven people, only seven lives. But it's throughout the film you see the impact that he does kill per kill and, and, and the things that he does. That's why I said even though it's laser focused on just one person, all around him you see his major impact. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's why I said it does a lot of interesting things. It's definitely a breath of fresh air. And that's why I, I well, toxic air if you really think about it. But like I, I really enjoyed that film in that regard where it's laser focused on just one person and one person alone, but you still get to see the scale of what one person could do. And that's really the theme of the Joker. It's one person having one bad day. Although not in this film. It's a, f- a series of bad days, but one bad day fucked up this one dude and with one dude alone, he caused so much. Totally. And we saw that, hey, it wasn't just him. At the end, people in society were literally turning Gotham upside down, right? The very end scene when uh, he was being transported to um, Gotham PD. You know what happened? People broke him out. Broke him out of the car, right? The thing, too, is and... 
we don't even know if that's on purpose though um i think whether or whether it wasn't uh is not super important i mean it is in terms of storytelling if you want to say hey people intentionally wanted to have this guy as his leader but i think it's more of a commentary on okay well this society that is now under a mess like it's it's in a giant mess right i believe the word you're looking for is anarchy yeah it's basically anarchy in gotham and a large part of it is people just sticking up for what they want and what they believe right and a lot of it is also people who don't want to give it sticking up for their selfishness right you look at some of the stuff that thomas wayne was talking about it wasn't necessarily the friendliest stuff you know what i mean when he was talking about changing gotham for the better he wasn't necessarily talking about putting funds into the ghetto areas as his mom believed right as arthur's mom believed yeah it was in fact changing it a lot for the worse uh you get those hints here and there out you know in parts of the movie but uh this was a giant group of people who were struggling quite a lot so it's it's very it's very interesting when you take that perspective and take a step back and say hey this is uh this is what's going on in gotham from a very low level but just to be able to see how it completely unravels in front of your eyes it's very telling and it keeps me it kept me interested as a viewer pretty much throughout the movie uh one thing i i have criticisms criticisms for pardon me was the fact that and i even told you this right after the movie was there were a few scenes personally that i thought that were in the movie that could have been completely cut out and we'd have had the exact same result. Like what? I, I feel like I'm probably going to be called out for this, but there was a lot of scenes. So, for example, uh, the dancing. And I completely understood why the dancing was there. Um, but I feel like it was a bit overdone. Okay, yeah. I actually agree with you on that. Uh, there was like there were scenes where it definitely made sense. Uh, for example, towards the end uh, with, uh, with Murray. I thought that was, you know, perfectly well done. But I thought there was a giant cliché where um as arthur was getting ready i believe for uh you know getting all his uh, makeup on and and all that and he was uh i guess dancing you know with the music going on that was very cliche and and i personally i thought okay well what's sure you're showing me this guy getting ready that's about two minutes three minutes worth of screen time that i didn't need i was okay with that actually um really the one that I wasn't as okay with, or at least I think they dragged out forever, was another dance sequence, so to speak, was uh when he shot those three gentlemen on the subway, ran away into a public restroom. Oh, yeah. And then he started dancing. And I... That was a bit... Mm-hmm. I understand why. At least I think I do. I, I think it's to sh- sort of like to show, hey, guys, look, he's getting crazier now. Um... And that's fine, except the music, to me at least, and also the way that it's shot. It's always kept at a medium or extreme close-up. It almost seems like it seemed like it was very intentional to try to make you feel creeped out. And if I could tell that you're trying to creep me out, I'm not going to feel creeped out. I'm going to feel annoyed, which I was. I was like, okay, cool. Can we like stop the French horn, please? And then cut to a different scene or whatever. Oh, yeah. Because that dragged on for a while, and I was like, listen, man, if I really wanted to see some dancing, I'm going to turn on Kinjas. Like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, or put on some Jabberwockies. Like, l- let me see some actual dancing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And-, and maybe it's because they felt like, you know, we really like this performance, this this right here. 
Let's throw it mm-hmm. into the film. That's fine, but give it purpose. Do you know what would have been dope if they used that as like a credit sequence? Yeah, uh, I actually thought there was going to be, um, you know, a, either a credit sequence or a post-cred. Um, but we were kind of there in the theater and we we're saying, hey, is there going to be something something after? And I know it's something that a lot of uh, movies are doing nowadays. Yeah. Um, leaving those scenes at the end, sort of giving you a post post look like hey this is what happens after and, and so forth uh, i was really interesting as to why they didn't do that maybe they thought they had the whole picture set up with with their screen time and that was good enough but i was really interested at that i think that's just meant to be like one more thing to make you feel for this character or feel a certain way about this character oh i, t- I totally agree and especially uh towards the end where we start seeing uh i i don't want to call it cries but i guess it is sort of cry outs of saying you know, where, uh, where he's saying, I guess, talking about his life, you know, for for example, for the first part of the movie, you think, oh, this is just a guy who's, uh, I guess, shown to be happy or have this perception, right? And towards the end, it changes from, you know, when he's talking to his mom, uh, he says, oh, I haven't been happy for a single moment in my life, right? Yeah. Um, But I don't think that's necessarily inhibiting incel culture where, you know, he feels like he's owed anything. It's just him literally being under the circumstance of what is his life yeah you know what i mean uh and i feel like that's a giant differentiation that we have to make when talking about insult culture in, in you know comparison to this movie um because he not once in in my opinion throughout this movie did i feel like arthur thought he owed was owed something maybe like maybe there are scenes where it's it's implied so i do understand that but as a character he doesn't really come out and say Oh, I, I deserve to be rich like Thomas Wayne or or the king of Gotham. Yeah, the only He's, thing he said he mean? wanted from Thomas was, oh, I don't know, maybe a hug. And that's it. He didn't ask for money, didn't ask for cash, nothing. He just wanted a hug. That was it. Like, yes, there was a part. No, that wasn't him. That was his mom. His mom was like, oh, yeah, Bruce is his family. Or not Bruce, sorry. Thomas mm. is his family. He'll take care of us. But from the beginning, Arthur was like, if this fool was going to help us, you wouldn't be like damn near non-ambulatory yep and he is correct in that regard um so for me i i didn't really think there was much of that there was undertones of it but i think really those undertones were really meant to set up um this perception of him like being like insane because mm-hmm. no I, I totally agree when, when you brought up like the whole entire thing about like how that line when he says i have never been happy for a single moment in my life i feel like that is true and false the times where he has been happy it just so that they don't exist like that like that sort of dream sequence of him imagining that he was on the murray show and him oh, being yeah. invited on stage getting a hug from murray and the whole crowd was chanting for him or, or applauding him. That he is very clearly happy in that. Of course, mm-hmm. it's also very clearly not real. Um, when his whole relationship with his neighbor, not real, but he was smiling the whole time. He was he felt genuinely happy. Um, even his perception of how he did on stage at in that comic club, he yeah. was happy at the moment but what he thought was going in his head compared to what was actually being let out not real none of these things were real this is all in his head at least that's the way that it's um shown to us the viewer 
which I think is a really great contrast with that line, I've never been happy in my whole life, that his occupation is a fucking clown. Oh, yeah, totally. And a lot of it as well is perception, right? Because um, the final scene we initially get when uh, looking at the comedy club, when he's doing stand-up, of course, you think immediately it's a disaster, right? You know, him laughing and going through all those problems initially on stage. But how it leaves off, he tells, you know, he starts to tell a joke and it sort of pans out and you could sort of hear a little bit of laughter, right? But then that's all you hear. Like the, the scene completely cuts out and we're left with the fact that, okay, maybe he was told a, a bit of jokes. Maybe it got better. We don't know, right? Yeah. And what we find out later is in fact, no, these people weren't laughing at his jokes. They were laughing at him. Yeah. And that's what he starts to realize as well. Uh, he starts to understand, okay, well, these people are actually laughing at me, not not my jokes, but it's more of who I am as a person, right? Yeah. And this really hurts Arthur as, you know, the person in a sense because his humor is not just face value, okay, you know, knock, knock, who's there, X, Y, Z, right? It's sort of commentary on the fact of this. these are things that don't ne- or are part, part of his life. You know what I mean? Like the whole mental illness thing. Yeah. I thought that was incredibly like thrown in your face as a viewer, right? Like uh, looking at his notebook, um, a lot of the, you know, murder jokes or dark humor, you want to call it, that was constantly shown in his, uh, in his book. And these are, this, this is a commentary of his life, right? These jokes. Yeah. Uh, and when people start to make fun of him or laugh at him at those jokes, like in terms of you, Arthur, we don't like you. That's when he starts to realize, hold on, these people aren't laughing with me, they're laughing against me, but more specifically, they're hating me as a person. Yeah. And and that's when he when he finally breaks in the movie. I feel like, um, in a way, how do I say this? This isn't even a super villain movie to me. No. I don't feel like this follows under the category of traditional comic book movie or superhero movie. Because at the end, at least for me, to a degree, because I don't want nobody calling, oh, Kirby Kwan Jr.'s fucking loss is mine and shit. To a degree, I was kind of hoping that the Joker won in a way. Yeah. And there was a part of me that was thinking maybe, because like I said, I had no idea what the fuck was going to happen in this movie. Um, Definitively, I I didn't know how it was going to end. Will he die? Will he make it? We don't know. At least with the trailers. I was hoping that he dies. Or not hoping, but I was thinking a good ending would be he does die, definitively dies. There was a whole funeral and a casket and everything. And then it cuts. And then you just hear the laugh. And then you hear him say, joke's on you. We're all the Joker. Mm. And that would have been, that would have been okay, realistically. I don't know. <laughs> but because the, the thing is, so many things happen in this film that are so relatable. Whether you do have uh, mental illness or not, I would assume at one point in your life, unless you live in a fucking perfect world, at one point in your life, you have been bullied. Yep. At one point in your life, you have ran up to a random rich kid and and forced him to smile. I'm joking. But like, oh, man. I, and I just suddenly remember that to be honest. At one point in your life, you have been down on your luck. You have been lied to you have been uh bullied you have been physically harmed 
I would imagine at least at one point, whether it was on purpose or not. And this is just a culmination of a series of bad things happening to this dude at once. Because remember, we don't see anything else outside of these, I guess, two weeks or so of uh, screen time or real world like uh, time for him. We don't see him as a kid. We don't see him later on. We just see him like losing his job and then being like locked up in a hospital. And that's it. That's all you see. Really short, really laser focus, like I said. But you feel for this guy in the sense of like, you know what? For certain things, I do know how you feel. Especially for me in, in the sense that I take the TTC or, or I take public transit damn near every day. And I have been targeted for bullying as a minority and as being like a chubby dude. Although, surprise, surprise, I'm also fucking tough as hell. What if in an alternate universe, I wasn't as tough as I was? You know, what if I gave into that? What if I got, what if I felt so fearful and defenseless that I had to resort to using a instant lethal weapon? Maybe I would have just ended up being this dude. <laughs> it gets you to think about these things. It also gets you to think about, bruh, these subways are not safe, man. <laughs> My lord. Yeah. And uh, the lighting was very interesting. It was done deliberately. Uh, and there's also a giant contrast in many of the subway subway scenes. I know we also talked about this uh, that I, I caught, and I think you caught as well from uh, the subway scenes at the, at the very beginning, uh, towards like you know when he's commuting at in other parts of the movie is very different. But yeah, those those subways, someone get them like a giant security force. Like oh my lord, the stuff that was going on, you can't even get cops in there safely. Like oh my lord. Well, in, in fairness though, that was like a rally though. Oh, yeah. It don't matter what it is, man. You, nobody is safe at a rally. Oh, totally. And, and that was another uh, great part as well, right? Where we had a cop shoot, you know, um, uh, just a civilian, right? And these are all issues, right, that are currently present in, in North America as well. And uh, maybe, maybe this wasn't done intentionally. Maybe it was. But uh, a, a lot of it was of giant political commentary on, uh, you know, on on the current state of of the united states and north america as a whole a lot of it was was done very subtly uh some of it was thrown directly in your face but uh that that's one thing that i really enjoyed the movie for like as it was like of course you know we got to see the storytelling of who arthur was and the i guess becoming the joker as a persona um but getting to understand what's going on in gotham as like a city and this current world and it sort of develops in front of our eyes, right? Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I, I really enjoyed because you can see that he was not the only person that was there that was going through these struggles, right? Yeah. He was not the only person that believed in these things or like, I guess, these ideologies that, hey, I'm in a shithole. Things need to change. Of course, he did it in the most absolutely radical way possible. But, you know, it, it, it still sparked sparked anarchy in Gotham. It, it sparked a lot of change. And, uh, of course, at the end, we got to see what happened with Bruce Wayne's family and, you know, the the killing of Thomas and, and Martha Wayne, which is, you know, great scene, I thought. Super small super small nitpick. Yeah, oh, I think you're going to say the same thing as me, but go on. If the Joker is about 45 right now and Bruce Wayne at most is 10, um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, there were a lot of inconsistencies when comparing, like, like if you want to set up that movie to be the true backstory of the Joker, uh, we might have some problems there, Batman. 
Yeah, because I'm like, like, it's implied that, well, at a point, granted this was a cop-out and a good one, um, it, it was implied that Arthur slash Joker was the brother of Bruce Wayne. And I'm just looking at that, and I'm like, you could be his dad, cuz. <laughs> yeah, like my guy. Like, like we're, are you the foster dad? Like, what's going on? Yeah, like, like if your mom adopted you, did you adopt Bruce Wayne? What's, like, what's going on? Jerry, Jerry. I think you mean Maury, but. Well, you know. Yeah. Um, but okay. On a serious note, though, I think the biggest question to ask is, because you know, there's so much context and subtext oh, totally. in this in this movie that is loosely based off of a comic book that was published in I think the 80s, on a character that was meant to entertain kids in the 40s, that was based off of a killer in a black and white film. See, so much context and subtext. Who 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 is this movie for? That's the real question. The way it's marketed is one thing, right? It's marketed for comic book fans and edgelords. Let's just be real. Oh, to- totally, totally, yeah. Who? But who is this movie really for? That's the question because there's so much to dissect about this movie. We just spent a whole hour on it and we're still just scratching the surface, I feel. Yeah. And that's just because we want to give you like a really open-ended discussion and you could, you know, feel free to sort of chime in in your own ways and sort of, you know, help you generate your thoughts in a more concise manner too because this movie leaves you boggled with so many questions and so much to to dissect um or bisect i forget which one it is so to speak but like who is this movie for there's so much to unpack in this even though i said narratively it's a very laser focused straightforward linear story oh yeah and i uh, so, sorry if i'm cutting you off here but that's cool i i, I have a very similar uh so, similar sort of question because on one side right you have like you said, the marketing towards your DC fans, your comic enthusiasts, uh, you know, also your your edge lords as, as you termed. I I think that's a great term, by the way. Um, but at the same time, you also have a lot of issues that are present. And uh, just to add to that, um, wasn't the official genre? Maybe I'm wrong about this, but wasn't it like a a thriller, or wasn't it uh, you know not like a a very unique category as it was uh, initially released? I'm actually gonna search that up now <clears throat> um i remember hearing things about this, this drama is, this is and thriller yes and if you compare that to a lot of other traditional i guess quote-unquote superhero movies this is very different oh no, um, super, definitely so and and goes back to your point where you say well who's this movie for right um and i think you can watch it in many ways as different a different kind of viewer right because uh you know I, i'm sort of um i guess prone to this whole perception because i've only seen the movie once right yeah um so i i came into it as looking at it okay that's the joker batman right batman batman like I, I love dc i love all that that's what i came in thinking right for me it's more or less the same i like films i like comics i dressed up as batman before i'm working on a batman tribute suit right now this seems like something that i would enjoy on many levels and to a degree that is true but not quite the levels that i thought exactly and what I came out of it was realizing that, hey, this is also more of seeing a guy, just, a, you know, like a somebody, <laughs> yeah, like a somebody just go into absolute obscurity, uh, like utter madness, right? Obscurity. Not, yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't, I honestly don't know what to call it, like what he had to go through, like, come on, man, like, realistically, all these trials, like the little things that would get us, he had to deal with all of it, right? Back to back to back, no rest, too consistently and 
it, it was pretty crazy because it wasn't like you said it wasn't a superhero or i guess probably better term super villain movie right it was just a movie about this guy becoming something right it was just about and, a guy becoming a guy yeah. and, and like embracing who he is with or without meds Oh man, that's uh, that was also that's a, a another giant crazy piece of scene, subject yeah. that we actually completely failed to talk about in this podcast. But needless oh, yeah, to say yeah. that it was there. Yeah, there's there's so much. Honestly, we could we could go on because there's so. Uh, much, that's the thing. Of, that, that's why I said I think it's a good movie, but I could see people not liking it because there's so little and so much. Right? I praise it for yeah. having that range. But what if someone pictures this as being con- uh, what's it called pretentious? rather than clever and then i think that's where the cleverness lies this movie is about the is, a, is about the perception of the world coming from one person but then this this movie itself is could be interpreted and perceived in many ways now granted all art forms are like that but with today's mainstream mm-hmm. hollywood movies it's very clean cut and clear this is muddy sometimes ugly yet beautiful and you get to decide what it is Totally. It's completely left up for interpretation as a viewer. You can see it as one way, or you could see it as a few other ways, right? There's a lot of different perspectives into a lot of the scenes. Mind you, of course, going out to the subway, like we just talked about, are, are you going to view that as self-defense? Are you going to view that as murder? Yo, right? real quick. Um, so these days, cosplay culture is a little bit more appropriated in, in pop culture. So yep. I think it started with Suicide Squad. That's when it like really blew up. Oh, at least in the yeah, modern, talking about. at least within the modern era of comic book movies, where people show up to movie theaters in cosplay, don't do that for this movie. Do not, do, nope. do not do it. And the reason why I'll tell you this right now: take, I'm gonna, this is gonna be the teaser. Do not show up to the movie as the Joker because chances are a lot of people are got, are, are are going to see this movie via public transportation. And if you're gonna take public transportation, you're gonna scare somebody. Especially after they see this movie. Oh yeah, my my lord. Uh, this is not a good movie for the faint of heart. Uh, I, I, like I've mentioned throughout parts of this, you know. No, because this is hundred percent real. I can't make the shit up. Uh, when me, Nick, and, and the writer sits in the back, left the theater, and we went into the, to the subway station. There was a fuck face that was dressed up as the Joker, and I looked at her, and she looked at me. I cracked a, oh, a smile man. just because it's funny in a sick way like like the undertones and she smiled back and i was like don't smile you look it's a little bit hard to trust your smile after seeing that movie right now <laughs> oh yeah because it makes you think right um going back to what we said yeah it's it makes you think of these are people who are just out there they, they exist you know what i mean it's it's not too far out to believe that something like this could happen obviously it's a movie obviously there are incredible circumstances but this is a thriller for a reason right right uh, one last thing to ask. Um, do you think this is a movie for everyone? Of age, of course, after the fact, because uh, it does get brutal in a few scenes. Okay, so that's a very interesting question, and I'll say no. Okay. The reason why, uh, maybe you'll disagree with me. Uh, the reason why, so outside, obviously, of the gore and stuff like that, um, there are a lot of parts that people might not like. Um, and the reason I, I, I say it like that is because, of course, we have, you know, the, the commentary on, uh, you know, politics or mental health or current issues in society. A lot of people don't like that. A lot of people, you know, if if you go to the movies, they just want to turn their brain off and watch a movie about superheroes kicking each other's ass. 
You know I, what I mean? I'll be honest. I'm one of those people. I usually don't give two shits about shit like that. But with this movie, of because of how like straightforward the narrative uh, aspects of this movie is, for me, I feel like this is not a movie for everyone, but everyone can watch it. There is something for mm-hmm. everyone. Um, as far as how much that something weighs for person A to person two, and yes, I just switched from alpha to numerical. <laughs> nice. It's like it'll be different for everybody, but there is, but it is very watchable for everyone. It's not going to keep you up at night thinking. Well, it is going to keep you up at night thinking about things, but it's not so scary to the point where you can't sleep anymore. It really isn't that scary to me, at least. Um, it's not too gory or anything. Most of it is subtle um and like i said i feel like everyone could watch this as long as you could get over some very 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 minor gore um and it's a film that challenges you in some ways and also degrades you in some other ways because you do need for certain things specific specifically that ending and i think this is on purpose you need a certain degree of suspension of disbelief because if you have someone admit on live television that you murdered somebody you don't continue interviewing them you fucking cuff this motherfucker yeah oh, oh my lord there was a there's a lot of very interesting parts of the movie and lock your damn doors yeah like oh man but uh i, I don't know it, it added to certain parts of the storytelling and i i think we both know that but uh Man, you know, there are parts where it's, I was kind of facepalming, like, come on, like, really? Anyways. I think with that said, it's it's been that time the podcast is going on for pretty much an hour. Um, Just sort of leave, like, your quick sort of final thoughts for this movie, in your opinion. I mean, yeah, I think you probably gave it the, uh, the best term there, where you said it's not a movie for everyone, but it's a movie everyone can watch. And uh, I definitely agree with that. There's a lot of things that don't don't take as that a sen- whole. If, don't take that sentence too literal, though, because when you do, you realize it's a really stupid sentence to say. <laughs> well, it's true, but it also does hold meaning in the sense of there's a lot of different parts of the movie where you can, I guess, kind of relate. Not necessarily you, but like you know what I mean. As a viewer, you can understand. Okay, these are all the issues that people will go through, right? Politically, socially, mentally. You know, whether and looking at people's jobs, stuff like this, right? These are all issues. Um, and also one thing, you know, I know we didn't talk about the scene, but the part where Arthur was giving his mom food and he wasn't uh, eating food himself, you know, there are a lot of things that are implied there, but so many things that you can understand as a person and just unravels, unravels, unravels and keeps unraveling and you get to see the Joker develop. And I thought that was the most interesting part of the movie. We got to see the emergence of this entity that we know is a supervillain. But in reality, if you look at this movie, not necessarily a supervillain, just an everyday guy turned absolutely crazy. It, it, it makes me want to quote a really bad movie. And once I'll say this quote, most people should recognize what it is. But the biggest question that this movie raises is really, do you understand life? Do you? Everybody oh, betray me. I fed up with this world. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's nobody named Mark in this as far as I know. Uh, but yeah, um, for me, uh, since I have been talking about a lot of things, I, I should just put it like this. If you're looking for a comic book movie, some of this will entertain you, but it's not going to be what you expect. There's not a whole bunch of fucking references to this, 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 that, and that. There are a few. There's mention of the city being Gotham, Wayne's, 
Um, but that's sort of, it makes sense because they're political figures and then the city is obviously the name of the city, but it doesn't hammer in your yeah. face all of these things. You don't see a young Selena Kyle. You don't see like a, a young Riddler. You don't, these all sound like rap aliases. You don't see that. This is very focused and grounded with one person. If you want to see a psychological thriller, so to speak, I don't think this challenges your brain in that regard where it teases you with things to sort of to spook you and, 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 and fuck your expectations up that much. It is a thriller and it does raise a lot of psychological questions, but it's not a traditional psychological thriller in that regard. In that regard. Um, if you wanted to watch a horror movie, this is absolutely not a horror movie in my opinion. If you don't know what to watch, but you want to play a movie, this is the perfect thing to do because you don't know what to expect. At least I don't think most people know what to expect. And it really does have no expectations. That's the beautiful thing about the marketing. There's no expectations. Yet it pleases, at least, I, sh I shouldn't say pleases, but there's so many layers to this. And I feel, at least on the surface layer alone, there is a lot of good in this movie. Even yeah, though I totally agree. it's completely about bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's uh, there's all you can understand. Just dissecting this uh, this movie. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can go very in depth. Uh, but there's a lot of it that you could just understand. Is hey, it's it's also entertaining. But like I said, um, some people like to view movies just to turn your brain off. Uh, maybe maybe this is it for you. Maybe it's not. I I liked enjoying this movie and actually just sitting through it and thinking about it. It's one of the things I really liked about it. Oh, and also um. This is one of the very few times where I can't even tell you what the plot is because of how grand and how small it is. Because objectively, w narratively, what is the plot? Man gets fired from his job. Uh, man hallucinates a relationship. Man finds out that his mom... Uh, sorry, man finds out that his dad is Thomas Wayne. Man finds out that his dad is not Thomas Wayne. He was adopted and his mom is crazy. Man goes completely crazy, kills three people, kills another guy, kills his mom, and then kills a, a talk show host. All the while always smoking and dancing <laughs> that is the most literal plot of this movie so if i put it to you like that you're like kirby you've been praising this movie for about an hour what is there to watch you have totally. to see it for yourself i hate i hate saying shit like that but this is one of the very few times where i have to say you have to see it for yourself it's like the live action lion king it's so shit you just have to see it for yourself anyways um i feel like that does it for this um episode of the ghetto fabulous podcast so Nick, where can we find you on Instagram and Twitter? Yeah, uh, you can follow me at Nick underscore Pulsone. That's at N-I-C-K underscore P-U-L-S-O-N-E. And uh, before we go, there's actually one giant announcement I forgot to make. We are now on, and let me make sure that I get my list out so I don't mess this up. We are currently available to listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and radio public so if you have any of these platforms please search up ghetto fabulous podcast that is g-h-e-t-t-o space f-a-b-u-l-o-u-s space p-o-d-c-a-s-t once again that is the ghetto fabulous podcast available on spotify apple podcasts breaker google podcasts pocket casts and radio republic my name is kirby kwan jr you can find me on youtube facebook instagram and soundcloud all at kirby kwan jr that's k-i-r-b-y-k-w-a-n-j-r you have been listening to the ghetto fabulous podcast and hope everybody has a terrific day deuces